572. Good morning. Welcome to the services here at Anna Street. We have some that are visiting. You've honored us with your presence, and we appreciate that very much. We met a couple of weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, and we had a teaching team meeting, and we decided that we wanted to uh, teach on a series called The um, Story of the Bible. This, we've broken the, the Bible down into about 10 different parts. We're going to present that over the next 11 weeks. Today is an introduction, so in one of my peer groups, we call that a lucky dog extra. It's really 10 parts, but you get an extra piece today. It's the 11th, Ken. So we're going to be, we're going to be lucky today. So we're going to talk about the Bible. We're going to talk about how we might introduce that to other people. We've been also meeting on Wednesday nights in some of our uh, Bible studies, and we've been talking about a book called Tactics, and Tactics is how you can address other people by asking them questions and kind of getting them to answer the questions according to the story of the Bible, and that you can kind of get on the same page and, and um, study the Bible and, and, and persuade others. And so we're going to talk about this morning, we're going to talk about the importance of this series. We're going to talk about the series. I'm going to break it down into the ten parts, introduce the men that will be speaking to you, although you don't need introductions. Those guys speak to us every, uh, every couple of weeks. And then we're going to close the, uh, the sermon this morning by talking about as ambassadors of Christ, how should we be when we approach others and we talk about the Lord? And um, I thank uh, Brother uh, Ryan for the, for the prayers this morning. Um, I do need those prayers, especially when we're talking about how should we approach others. As he well knows, because I was in a debate on the back porch with somebody the other day about the Bible, and he said, man, you, were, you didn't use very many of that, those tactics, uh, examples that we've been learning. You came on pretty strong. And I said, well, he wasn't listening. <laughs> so... Um, <clears throat> So as ambassadors of Christ, <clears throat> I have a lot to learn, and, uh, and we'll talk about some of those uh, characteristics. The, um, the Bible is a, an amazing book. It starts in Genesis chapter 1 at the beginning of time. It goes all the way to Revelations chapter 22, which is past today and into the future, where it talks about the coming back of Jesus. So when we think about time... Time began in Genesis 1 and it ends in Revelations chapter 22. The Bible will span the complete time of man. And we'll talk a little bit more about that in, in, in a moment. When we think about you know, why is this series important and, and why should we talk about it, number one, the, the, the Bible or the story of the Bible, it's the foundation of our faith. Jesus says in many places, the Bible is pretty clear that the only way you get to heaven is through Jesus. It's not through Muhammad or Confucius or you know, any of those other folks. The only way you're going to get to heaven is through Jesus. Now I've heard people like George Burns say, well, Muhammad was my son and Jesus was my son. And, you know, he was playing God in the movie Oh God, I think it was called. And that's what he said, but that's not true. Jesus is the only son of God. And he is the way, the truth, and the life. And so if we want to get to heaven... We're going to have to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ our Savior. And we're going to learn that through this series of ten lessons. 
so it's a foundation of our faith. Second Corinthians chapter 5, I believe it is, and verse number 10 says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one may receive what is due for what he has done in the body, whether good or evil. So when we think about talking about the Bible, we think about the story of the Bible. Summed up there is this verse that says, We're all going to someday. It says stand. I have an idea some of us will be kneeling. Some of us may be prostrate on our face in front of the Lord. And we're going to give an account of what we've done in the body. The next verse there says, Knowing the fear of the Lord, we should be persuading men. We know what the Bible says about this. We know what the judgment's going to look like. We need to be persuading people to come to meet Jesus. So that's what this series is about. It's about knowing the story of the Bible and understanding that because you have this knowledge, it's pretty selfish of us to keep it to ourselves. It's like I've I found this, this great prize and I'm just going to keep it to myself and not let anybody else know about it. And so the story of the Bible, this, this series that we're going to talk about, it's, it's, um, it's so relevant and so important. So let's start with um, one of my... What's going on? Favorite verses in the Bible. Hebrews chapter 1, verse number 1 says, For God at sundry times and in diverse manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son. So I want you to notice that it talks about a couple of words here, sundry and divers. Those are not words we use every day. You might have heard old people use sundry. Ah, we're going to go get down to the store and we're going to get sundry things. We're going to get some various things. We're going to get some different things. Diverse is like the word for diversity that we use. It means various things. So there are two words that... Um, because in the, the, the uh, time that they uh, translated the Bible, variously when it applied to time or as an agency, which this is times, they used the word sundry. When it, when it uh, referred to a method or a form, like as in the manner in which the Lord spoke to us, they used sundry. But if you put various in there, it works fine. Just replace both those words with various. God who at various times and in various ways spake in times past under the fathers by the prophets hath in these last days spoken unto us by his son. So it says first of all that he spoke to the fathers. <coughs> this age of the fathers it's also called the uh, patriarchal dispensation if you want to use big words. Patriarchal means fathers. Matriarchal society means mothers. Some societies are ran by mothers. Some societies are ran by fathers. When the, when the world first came into existence in Genesis chapter 1, God talked directly to the fathers of the house. So the religion was a family religion. The father was told what to do, and he took care of his family, and they did those things. He said, Abraham, take your family and move them to wherever. Abraham would get up his family, and they'd move. He talked directly to the fathers and told them what to do. That was the age of the fathers. lasted about 2,500 years. 
2,500 years. That's a number I didn't have memorized, Kent. This came popped in my head. 2,500 years. Now, I was watching a show the other day, in fact, yesterday, with some friends of mine, and they were talking about millions of years and 150,000 million years ago and all these numbers, and I'm sitting there going, no, no, no. Because the world hadn't been around that long. The world's only been here about 6,000 years. We can trace it from Genesis chapter 1 all the way up to today. We know that if we have faith in the Bible and believe what it says. Now, here's what I think. This is Yancey. This is not in the Bible. This is not anywhere. He didn't make Adam a little seed and he grew into Adam. He made Adam a, group, a full-grown man. He can make a full-grown tree. He can make a full-grown volcano. He can make a full-grown uh, Grand Canyon. He, the, the waters were over the face of the, of, of the earth, and those waters subsided and land formed, and as it rushed out, it formed stuff. It didn't take millions and millions and millions of years. God did it in the blink of an eye as he formed this earth. That's my thing, so. But 2,500 years is the age of the fathers from the family religion from the time Adam was uh, created on this earth. That was the first part. Then it said it talked to us by the, um, by the uh, prophets. Moses was one of the first prophets. Moses led the children out of Egypt where they were in bondage across the Red Sea into the, well, into the wilderness on the way to the promised land. Moses was like the first prophet that led God's people. He was the one that got the law. He's the one that formed that helped build the nation of Israel through the laws that he received. This is called a national religion because God dealt with a country as a whole. It was also called the mosaical dispensation, if you want the big words. And then finally it says, He has spoken unto us by his Son. And Jesus was on this earth about 2,000 years ago, roughly. And it's called the world religion or the age of religion because Christ is, what did it say here in the end of the verse? Sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Christ is in heaven ruling over his kingdom. His kingdom is the church. He plainly tells us that in the Gospels. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. The kingdom is coming. In, in Mark chapter 9, I think the first verse, it says, Some of you that are standing here with me, you're not going to die before the kingdom comes. The kingdom came in Acts chapter 2. When Peter stood up and preached the first gospel sermon and then opened the keys to the kingdom, 3,000 were baptized that day into the church, which is the kingdom, which is what Jesus is ruling on right now today. In the last days, he has spoken unto us by his son. This is the last group. There is no more humps. There is nothing left. In the last days he has spoken unto us by his Son. He said, when he had by himself purged our sins. There was a couple of uh, significant events. Number one was the giving of the law on Mount Sinai. Moses went up, he received the law. That separated the time of the family religion and the age of the fathers and the way that he dealt with people to a country and a nation. And we're here today because of the second event, and that was the suffering of our Savior on the cross. That separated the old law. That separated the law of Moses. That separated this law, this covenant, that he was nailed to the tree in Hebrews. The old law was done away with. Christ brought a new law. The law that we're under today. The law of the church. And so, 
He sits in heaven today at the right hand of the majesty on high, ruling over his church. And then he will come again. So, maybe another way of looking at this, Genesis chapter 1, the creation. Exodus chapter 20, the law of Moses. John chapter 20, we have Jesus having been crucified. He's been raised from the dead. He, he's talking to some of the, of the people on the road and um, he says, I'm about to ascend. That separates. And then Revelation chapter 22 says Jesus is going to return. In this age of the fathers, he spoke specifically with Adam that I could find, and maybe others. He spoke specifically with Adam and Noah and Job and Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Joseph and Moses. Joseph, through his dreams, he spoke directly with these men, and they led their families. In the age of Moses, we've got all those books written down, all the books of the prophets, the minor and the major prophets, and how God dealt directly with those prophets. And then finally, Jesus. Genesis chapter 1, we've talked about this, the beginning of time. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth, it tells us. Genesis chapter 1, Revelation chapter 22 says, that's the day that time will stop. From Genesis chapter 1 all the way up to the time Jesus gets here, the message of the Old Testament is Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. There's a Messiah coming. He's going to set up a kingdom. The Jewish people thought that kingdom was going to be a physical kingdom. They thought that he was going to come and he was going to overthrow the Roman government. He was going to set up a physical kingdom and he was going to reign here on this earth. That's what they were looking for. They were looking for military might and to be able to finally kind of go see you Romans. Get out of our life. But that isn't what he came for. He came to set up a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom that we're a part of today. That's what Jesus came to set up. In the Gospels, it's saying, hey, Jesus is born. He comes to this earth. It's saying, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. Hear him. He's my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Jesus is here. And in John chapter 20, Jesus is ascending. Jesus is going back to the Father to rule his kingdom. And then the rest of the New Testament is pointing back to the cross and saying, Jesus was here. You killed him. You need to do something about that in your life. You need to have a reaction to that fact. Acts chapter 2. They were pricked in their hearts when they found out what they'd done to Jesus. He said, he said what shall we do? And he said, repent and be baptized. Get into the kingdom. Jesus is coming. Jesus is here. Jesus was here. So that's the introduction to the story of the Bible. There's going to be, again, like I said, ten sermons over the, the next few weeks. We're going to start with, obviously, the age of the fathers. The time from Adam being created in the Garden of Eden all the way up to Mount Sinai where the law is given. We're going to divide that into two parts. Adam to Noah, Brother Trevor, who's sick today. Sorry to hear that. Brother Trevor is going to be here next Sunday, Lord willing, if he gets to feeling better. And he's going to talk about this time period between Adam and Noah. We know the story of Noah. And then from Noah to Mount Sinai, Brother Kyle is going to speak. 
we're going to get a sense of the rich history. We're going to learn about this artist's rendering here. We're not, about, we're not going to learn about the artist's rendering, but we're going to learn about the man that the artist rendered, Abraham. And we're going to learn about his great faith story. We're going to learn about the principles of God. We're going to learn this. If you get anything out of the Old Testament, I would suggest this is one of the most valuable pieces. God says what he means, and he means what he says. There's going to be no negotiation on Judgment Day. It's not going to be, but, 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 you're going to stand fully convicted, and you're going to know you're convicted. The only question, the only question is whether Jesus' blood is going to cover you and make you white as snow in front of God. You're going to be there. Your sins are going to be open. The only question is whether they're going to be hidden by the blood or not. He says what he means and he means what he says, and then we're going to uh, learn about the living faith that uh, Abraham had. And then we're going to go from Mount Sinai to Malachi. Malachi is the last book in the Old Testament. Some might say the age of Moses really goes through the Gospels and it's not really over until Acts chapter 2 where Peter stands up and preaches the first Gospel sermon and the keys of the kingdom are opened and the church is formed. I wouldn't argue that, but for the purposes of our breakdown, we're going to go from Mount Sinai to the book of Malachi. And number, the third lesson will be from Sinai to, the, to Kings, where the, where the children of Israel decide, hey, we don't want to be ruled by these judges anymore. We want a king like everybody else. That's kind of a dividing line, and, and uh, Bruce is going to talk about that. And then the, from Kings to Malachi, Brother Dusty's going to talk about that. Looking forward to that, Dusty, because I know how you can tell a great story. And there's a lot of great stories between Kings to Malachi. We'll learn about God's goodness. We'll learn about God's severity. Again, he means what he says and says what, says what he means, means what he says. And then we'll get into lesson number five, which is going to be talking about the prophecy and the nature and the mission of Christ. And so when I said you'll, you'll have tools that you'll be able to help defend the fact that this book is beyond any doubt real and that um, Jesus is beyond any doubt our Messiah and our Savior, you're going to get some of those in lesson number five. Hopefully not putting too much pressure on my, my, my other elder brother, Brother Matt, because he's going to be uh, preaching to us about the prophecy and the nature and the mission of Jesus. And we're going to learn why we should believe he's the Messiah. We're going to learn what evidence there is that he is the one that's been prophesied. You know, we talk about the Old Testament. Jesus is coming. Jesus is coming. There's hundreds of prophecies, maybe even thousands. I've heard one time 664, something like that, prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament. And he fulfilled every one of them. Brother Matt's going to talk about that. Why did he come to earth? Why did he have to come here? We're going to talk about Jesus as the Son of God. Well, what does that mean? I'll take the stage again. We're going to talk about his deity. We're going to talk about the fact that he's eternal. We're going to talk about the fact that he was the creator. He was there in the very beginning. And then obviously we're going to talk about his sacrifice for all of us. The reason we're here this morning. Then we'll talk about salvation. And Brother Michael's going to be here to take the stage. And he's going to talk about sin which is the big reason that Jesus had to come. We know that. 
He's going to talk about sanctification and justification and what those mean in our lives. And knowing those things, now, now what? What do we do with that? And then we're going to talk about faith, works, and grace. A lot of misnomers out there in the world about faith, works, and grace. People want to argue that it's all faith. All you got to do is believe. Other people want to say there's some stuff you got to do. Other people want to say you're saved by God's grace and God's grace alone. I had a friend, well, he's my boss actually. He said, Yancey, it's not the tyranny of the or. It's the genius of the and. Faith and works and God's grace all come together to save us. And it's a beautiful picture. Trevor's going to take the stage again and talk about that. What saves us, our faith, our works. Why is God's grace important? And what should be our response to these gifts from, the God, from God? Then number nine, Kyle's going to talk about It's going to be the age of the church. So what's in the name? Why do we call ourselves the Church of Christ? Is that important? What's in that name? What's the New Testament organization and the structure of the church? What's the authority structure of the church? Who's in charge? A hint, it's not Matt and me. <laughs> We're not the ones in charge of this church. Um, what does the church do? Matt's going to talk about the worship, giving, communing, praying, singing, teaching, mission. Hopefully I have all those people assigned to the right stuff. I took it off of the calendar. <laughs> Matt's over there checking me, I think. That's okay. We're going to talk about those things, and I think those people are the ones that are going to talk about them. So we talked about an introduction to the story of the Bible. We've talked about how powerful this book is. What do I do with my Bible? How powerful this book is. But it gives us everything that we need. The Bible says it's, it's complete. It's perfect. It gives us everything we need to live this life. It spans the, the complete... It's, it's prophetic in its nature. It spans the complete nature of time. It was prophetic in the Old Testament about Jesus coming. It's prophetic now about Jesus is coming back. And it's told us what's going to happen when Jesus come, comes back. And some people have some false beliefs about that as well. No different than the Jews did about what was going to happen when Jesus came the first time. When Jesus comes back, it's going to be judgment. So what are the characteristics of the ambassador for Christ? And this is a learning experience. This is pointed at Nancy as much as it is anyone else. What, what are we, who do we need to be? How do we need to react? We, we talked about the first one already at the very beginning of this sermon, and that was from 2 Corinthians chapter 5, where it said that, Therefore, knowing the fear of the Lord, we persuade others. We've got the commission that tells us to go into the world and preach the gospel to every creature. An ambassador for Christ needs to be someone that's willing to persuade others of the necessity of coming to the Lord before it's too late. Secondly, we have to be bold. Now sometimes, as Brother Ryan pointed out, you can be too bold. You can come across with too much force and too much energy and too much boldness. The Bible says in Acts chapter 4, And now, Lord, look upon their threats and grant to your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. 
In, in Ephesians chapter 6, Paul writing from prison says, And also for me, that words may be given to me and opening of my mouth boldly to proclaim the mystery of the gospel, for which I am an ambassador in chains, that I may declare it boldly as I ought to speak. As it says up here, you have it, they need it. You have the answer. People in the world that aren't Christians, they need it. We need, to be, we need to be willing to boldly explain it. We also have to be sincere. What's the old saying? No, no one cares how much you know until they know how much you care. There's got to be a sincerity about it. <clears> 2 <throat> Corinthians again says, For we are not like so many peddlers of God's word, but as men of sincerity, as commissioned by God, in the sight of God we speak in Christ. So we have to be sincere. We have, and that, that means that we, we, we know it's important, we're willing to persuade, but we've got to love people. We've got to be sincere in the desire that, that we want them to go to heaven with us. And we have to be willing to express this story, this beautiful story. We have to be able to identify this is a picture from um, the series Chosen. If you have not watched Chosen, I would wholeheartedly uh, say watch it. I believe it's very well done. Not that everything's perfect in every show, and these are people. They're not. It's not really Jesus on the screen. Although here, this is the character that plays Jesus, and he's meeting the woman at the well. And it's a beautiful scene about understanding her. There's another beautiful scene with the woman that had issues of blood. There's another beautiful scene where one of the, one of the um, apostles wants to be cured and healed like everyone else. But Jesus says, it's, it's, you, you're, not, you're not going to be healed. And, and the, the empathy that, our, that that character pours out. It's, it's there's some beautiful acting and a beautiful story. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 says, To the weak I became weak, that I might win the weak. I have become all things to all people, that by all means I might save some. I do it all for the sake of the gospel, that I may share with them in its blessings. So again, the Apostle Paul writing the second to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians, or that's 1 Corinthians, in 1 Corinthians, the first book he wrote to them. He said, I, I, I became, I adapted to the situation. I understood where the person was. Now, you have to be careful with this one because it's not a license to go to a bar to meet somebody in a bar because that's where they're at. That's not what it's saying. It's not, a, it's not a license to go get worldly with some people and go off and do things so you can say, well, I met them where they were at. That's not what it means. It means to have empathy in your heart and to know where they're at and know where they're struggling with and to be able to meet them and understand them as a person and wholeheartedly want them to come and be a part of what you've got. Don't argue. It was Ryan was pointing out to me. Don't don't argue. I'm uh, I'm world class at arguing. You can ask my wife. It's been a problem of mine forever. 
there's only one person I know and I work with that person that likes to argue more than I do. Um, and I tell him, I said, dude, if, if there was a fence post right here in your office, you'd just argue with that all day. He said, pot, kettle, talking to me because I like to argue just as much. The Bible says in 2 Timothy that have nothing to do with foolish, ignorant com- uh, controversies controversies, you know that they breed quarrels. Now, what we were talking about on the back porch that day was not foolish, and it was not a controversy. We were talking about Scripture, and we were talking about a misapplication of Scripture, in my opinion. Um, And so it wasn't foolish, but I overplayed my hand, as you might say. I, um, I, I got into a quarrelsome discussion and not asking him questions that would lead him to the right solution. So we, we don't need to be uh, argue. We don't need to quarrel about it. We need to um, meet them where they are. No pride. Control yourself. And the Lord's servant must not be quarrelsome, but kind to everyone, able to teach, patiently enduring evil, correcting his opponent with gentleness. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth. So that's the way I should have been on the back porch right there. Gentle, kind, leading so that I I might have convinced them of something. That was um, tactics talking about, man, all you need to do is put a rock in their shoes so they kind of walk away with a limp so that, you know, they're thinking about what it is you said. I I don't know, I was trying to break a leg or something. It was more than just a, a pebble in the shoe. I was trying to convince wholeheartedly um, them that they were wrong and that was that was a bad mistake up for me. And the second thing and this is maybe a recovery thing for me, I said, brother, we need to pray about this. I'm going to pray about it. I need you to pray about this. Pray that, that, that this scripture might be opened up to us and that we might have a complete understanding. Ephesians chapter 6 says, and it and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Lord which is the word of God. Pray at all time Pray at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance. Make supplication for all the saints. So we need to pray. So finally, closing up this morning, James chapter 5 says, Let him know that whosoever brings back a sinner from the wandering will save his soul from death and will cover a multitude of sins. So as ambassadors, we need to persuade and be bold and sincere and humility and identify with them and meet them where they're at and not to argue and we need to pray about it. And so when we think about the story of the Bible, this this introduction this morning, and, and again there'll be ten parts. I would encourage you if you didn't take notes this morning, maybe to at least the first part of the sermon, go back and and pick it up on Facebook and jot your little diagram down. Take Hebrews 1 and chapter 1 down to verse 3. Understand what this, this book is, this marvelous book that we've got, what it is. And it starts in Genesis chapter 1 at the beginning of time and it ends in Revelation when time will stand still and time will be no more. And it talks about the beautiful story of Jesus. It talks about in the first part he's coming. In the middle it talks about his life. And it talks about all the things that he did to the people here on earth. In that three or four, three and a half year ministry that he had here on earth. 
And then it talks about, as you read the letters that he wrote to all these churches, we've referenced several of them this morning, 1 Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, Ephesians, Galatians, all those books that Paul wrote to the churches. And, and you see in those books it talking about, hey, Jesus was here. And, and, and that means something. God on earth was here, and he was crucified. And because of that, we have an obligation as people to accept that crucifixion, accept that blood, and allow it to wash our sins away. If we don't accept it, the Bible tells us there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Jesus was the only one. There's not, there's not going to be another chance. There's not going to be another opportunity. So the story, the story of the Bible is critical for us. It's a foundation of our faith. It's important to what it is that, that we uh, believe as Christians. It, it gives us everything that we need from the beginning to the end. Hopefully you've, been, you've enjoyed that introduction this morning. We appreciate your attention. We'll um, have an opportunity now to uh, stand and sing a song of encouragement. If you need the prayers of the church, we'd be glad to do that. If today you want to be like one of the 3,000 in Acts chapter 2 and be baptized and join the kingdom, we can make that happen today as well as we stand and sing. Brother Dusty's going to lead us in song.